want to introduce to you a younger version of Dr. Brian Kelly. His name is John O'Dell, and at the last minute, Pastor Pelletier said, you, you need to be ready to preach or do something. Whatever happens, you need to be on the spot. So we put him on the spot. So he's going to bring the first part of the message, and I'm going to bring the last part of the message today. We're, we're, we're going to tag team in the message today. He has some things to share with you that I trust will be a tremendous, tremendous blessing. We live in a tremendously negative age. I don't know if you perceive that or not. The news that you hear and the coverage of things that you hear on the media is 95% negative. And then everybody wonders why the psychiatrist offices are have a line out the door. You know, you can't be so negative as that. And there's a lot socially that's happened to the structure of the families in our country. But if you live with what things are without seeking to make them what they should be, you're in trouble. Anybody that goes on what is instead of what should be and, and decides to set their sails and improve things and make things what they should be, uh, that's, that's, that's a tragedy. So I think, I think Brother John is going to share with us some, some blessings that he's had with, godly, with a godly heritage. And I, want us to, I don't want anybody saying here, I didn't have a heritage like that. It's not the heritage you have, it's the heritage you make. Huh? Yes or no? You can't change the past, but you sure can change the future. Yes or no? So listen and get blessed as, as John speaks to us. God bless you, my brother. Well, the message that um, Pastor Kelly had prepared was called, What Fathers Teach Us. Um, and I know that my message isn't going to be the same as his, but um, I will be sharing with you a little bit about what my fathers, my grandfather and my own father, have taught me. So I don't know if you remember the last time that I talked to you, I was uh, in the downstairs for, on Wednesday night, and I was challenged to give you guys a bit of a message. And uh, I heard from a lot of you that that was one of the quickest messages you guys have heard. Um, and uh, history seems to re- be repeating itself a little bit. I was also told, again, just a few days ago that I would have to prepare something, but I was told I was pre- going to prepare for Sunday school. So... Um, Bear with me as I do my best to unfold God's word and share with you a little bit um, what I've learned from uh, my fathers. So uh, I'm 19 years old. It's Father's Day. I'm not a dad, and I'm underprepared. But I guess, as with many things in life, uh, we're going to always be somewhat unqualified, and we have to trust in the Lord. Um, But one of the things that I have been called to do Um, that I believe I am very unqualified for is actually to bear my own name. Um, As Pastor Innes said, my name is John O'Dell. Um, I am the third John O'Dell in my family. My grandfather's name is John O'Dell, and my dad's name is John O'Dell. I'm not John the third, however, though, because we all have different middle names, so everyone asks me that. But I am not John the third, but I am a John O'Dell. So in preparing this message, I had to think about, you know, what I could say to you guys on Father's Day, uh, despite my inexperience, uh, that would be profitable. So I decided to speak from a perspective that I do have, and that is being a son and a grandson. I've been blessed with 
two great uh, men in my life, uh, some of the wisest um, men that I am the most thankful for, and that is my grandpa and my father. Um, I promise that this is not just a John O'Dell promotional speech, um, but there are some very important lessons that I've learned from the people who bear that name. And uh, I want to share those with you this morning. So if you will turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to start in verse 3. Um, that's where we're going to begin today. And I encourage you to follow along and look out for some key phrases and ideas. I've titled uh, this message, A Legacy in Christ. And I want you to see some of these things that I found in my reading of uh, Ephesians in chapter 1. The first thing is I want you to look for phrases that talk about his will or his providence. So look for his will and his providence. It comes in different forms throughout it, but I want you to look for those uh, phrases. And then anything talking about an inheritance or riches or blessings, things that the Lord has given us, and you're looking find the, those different phrases in there as well. And then the third thing that I want you to look for is anything that talks about being in him or in Christ or in Jesus. All of those phrases, I want you to look at them and count them and see where they are in the passage and just really focus on those three things. So I'm going to read through this and I want you to follow this along as well. So it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Having predestined us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, wherein he hath made us accepted, in the Beloved, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, wherein he hath abounded toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory, who first trusted in Christ, in whom ye also trusted, after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after that, ye believed. Ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the pur purchased possession, unto the praise of his glory. So in my study, in my reading, I counted six times that his will, his plan, or providence is me mentioned. I counted nine times where it mentions being in Christ. And I counted five times where it specifically mentions an inheritance, a blessing, or riches from being in his will and being in Christ. Now, there's a lot of repetition in there. And when I was in English class, my teacher told me that when we write paragraphs, that we can use a function called uh, Control-F. 
And then you can search little phrases and see all the phrases that you've repeated over and over again in your paragraph. And she'd oftentimes tell us that what we should do is go in and find different things to put in there instead because we're being too repetitive. But Paul had the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit put each of those there in all this repetition. So it must be important, right? We have something that the Holy Spirit is challenging us, something that the Holy Spirit wants us to know in this passage. So that's what I'm going to be focusing on today. And I will tie it it all in with what I was talking about earlier. But first, we see that it is God's will for us to be saved. We see that the story of salvation in this picture of adoption in Christ. So let me read that part. I'm going to read from the NASB for a little bit of clarity here. So it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us unto adoption as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, I don't know about you, but I find great comfort in knowing that I have been adopted by God. I think there's no other father that we can find such assurance in, and I think that's such a beautiful, familiar picture that's in this adoption. And it's an identity thing. We are now identified as the children of God, not as the children of this world, right? And when you think that this adoption is as good as it can possibly get, Paul then mentions that there's an inheritance that comes with this adoption. And then we see this throughout the passage. We see that uh, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. We see that um, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our wrongdoings according to the riches of his grace, which he has lavished on us. We see in him we have also obtained an inheritance, verse 11, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things in accordance with the plan of his will. So over and over again we see this idea. We are adopted by Christ and then we get this we get this uh, inheritance from this adoption. But throughout the entire passage there is one phrase that is mentioned even more and that is the phrase in Christ. We see that over and over again. And we see that this inheritance that we have is entirely founded in Christ. My grandfather is a pastor and a very wise man. You will never have a conversation with my grandfather that doesn't include two things. One is very corny jokes. And we all laugh at them because they are funny. Um, You can't go wrong with a corny joke. And then the second thing that we always get when we talk with him is deep and insightful conversation about God. My grandfather recently told me about the legacy of what it meant to be in the Odell family, how God has worked in our family, and that was one of the most powerful things that he has said to me, and I want to share with you a little bit about that. But this legacy is not the same kind of legacy that you hear from successful business owners or celebrities that have made their name through the entertainment business or something like that. Uh, He told me that the legacy of my, my father's, has been one of God providing for all of our needs. Not something he had done, not something that his father had done, but what God had done. He shared with me stories of how the Lord worked in his father's life and how the Lord guided my grandpa into the ministry. Originally, my grandpa wasn't going to be a pastor, but the Lord led him in, uh, in very um, 
clear ways into the ministry, and uh, that was very powerful. Uh, he told me stories of how the Lord provided for every need in miraculous ways, whether financially or spiritually, and how to this day the Lord is still watching over them. Through his experience in life, he shared with me the inheritance that we have in Christ is far better than any material good that we can obtain in this world. An inheritance that comes from a trust in Christ. An inheritance of all the riches of his grace, all the things that we just read about here, and an inheritance of being conformed to his will. I mean, that is one of the uh, amazing gifts that we have. When we are in Christ and we are trusting in him, we can be conformed to what he wants for us. So this legacy is one of Christ, what Christ would have for us. And you see that, I saw that in what my grandpa was telling me about him being led into the ministry. He was being conformed to what Christ would have for his life. I think the perfect example of the benefits of this provision and this trust is my own father. Um, My dad is also one of the wisest people in my life. And he has been taught by those same principles that my grandfather was sharing with me. And he modeled this same trust in his own life. My father loves his Savior, and he trusts in him. And that trust shows in his life and is a testimony to me and my siblings. Um, Whether it was through his job loss and his level-headedness through that and how he uh, encouraged us and led us faithfully, or whether it was through this year with COVID, many people lost lost their uh, their minds. They completely um, fed into um, what the world would have to say. But my dad uh, was thought logically. He went through the scriptures. He trusted in the Lord. And the way that he led our family was, uh, it was uh, remarkable, and it showed his trust in Christ. Because when everyone around us was telling us their own words and was letting us know what they had to say, their own opinions... My father trusted in the Lord, and he trusted in God and what he would have for us. So we learned a lot about testimony. We learned a lot about uh, faith through all of this, whether it's through the election and all the things that are happening in politics. uh, My father showed wisdom and uh, leadership through that. And also, as I was going through public school, I went to a public school, and I had to deal with uh, what it meant to be in the world and surrounded by others who um, did not believe the same way that we we did. And I knew that I could go to my father no matter what circumstance I had, and he would always give wisdom and uh, be a great example to me and my siblings. But the reality is, and both my dad and my grandfather would tell you, that uh, the legacy that has been a part of our family, these lessons that I've learned... They're not about their possessions or gains or about them specifically, but it's about the inheritance that's in Christ. After my grandfather told me about all these amazing stories of God's provision in our family, he finished with this last little bit. He told me that if there was one thing that I learned from our family's history, it is this. The Lord is trustworthy, and there is no greater inheritance or gift than to trust in him and to see his will be done in my own life. So there is one last phrase that maybe you picked up on that is also repeated in this passage as well. And that phrase is, to the praise of his glory. That phrase comes up 
about five times in this passage as well. And that is something that has also been modeled in my father and my grandfather's life. My grandpa made sure that I understood what it meant, what he meant about this legacy. While the Lord had done many things in the lives of our family, at the end of the day it has nothing to do with the testimony of our family. But rather, it has to do with the testimony of our Lord. That is, and he has never proved, he's never failed to prove himself faithful and true. So I don't want to you guys to leave this thinking, oh, well, he talked about his father and his grandfather, and they had you know, a great family, and they have a great testimony. It's not the testimony of them. They have a great testimony, and I look up to them very much, and I love them very much. But their testimony, the legacy that they left behind, is a legacy of pointing back to Christ, a legacy of trusting in Christ because he never fails. Now, this is Father's Day, but this applies to every single person in this room. Teachers, apartment managers, street evangelists, business managers, mothers, fathers. Is your legacy one of trusting in Christ? If your inheritance is simply the wealth you've accumulated in the bank or the furniture you've accumulated in your homes, it is nothing compared to the storehouses of riches that are known in Christ. And this is all to the praise of his glory. What a blessing. What a blessing. And God honored me with the privilege of growing up in a family that exalted Christ and exalted the word of God. Absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. I simply want to just take on where he left off because I can't improve on those words. Thank you so much, John. If I were to ask you, what, how are people impressed with your family? How are people impressed with your leadership as a mother or father in the home? What's, what's it all about? The American dream or is it about the gospel of Jesus Christ? What's it all about? And... So it makes an enormous difference to children and young people. But are you, can I, can I have your attention? Can I have your attention here a moment? If the working of God in your personal life isn't a real thing, isn't a real thing, it means nothing what you say. It means nothing what you say. This was not my father, it was my mother. I'll never forget I was at Bob Jones getting ready to plant a church and needed a car, and I didn't have the money. Couldn't buy the car, and I didn't have the money to put gasoline in the tank, and I couldn't pay the insurance. And I had to pray my way through that thing, and God gave me a car. Absolutely amazing. And about the second week I was in Morganton, where we planted that church, I went over the top of this knobby hill. It's kind of like San Francisco and it's steep down to the bottom of the stoplight at the bottom of the thing. And so I went over the top of the hill and toward the bottom and, and I put my foot on the brake and my foot went all the way to the floor and the car kept going. And there was a lady at the bottom waiting for a red light. And I pulled on the emergency brake and it didn't do anything either. So at the bottom of the hill, car met car. I hit her from behind. Not only did I hit her, I did it real well. I bounced her and bounced and hit her the second time. My folks didn't have money. 
they were bailing the farm out from under the mortgage of the depression. And so I called home to let my mother know what had happened. Do you know what she did? Do you know what she did? She went into her bedroom, got down on her knees and thanked the God and thanked the dear Lord that I wrecked the car. Because she, her favorite verse was, as for God, his way is perfect. That includes wrecked cars. That's where the rubber meets the road. And you know, when your parents have a work of God in their life evident like that, you know that their faith is real. You don't have to be a spiritual giant. You just need to be genuine. See? You don't need to be perfect. You just need to be genuine. Just need to be genuine. I, I, I was thinking, as I was thinking, in fact, I was thinking about preaching the sermon for today, and, and I never got to prepare because Pastor Kelly was going to preach it, and I was going to stay home and spare you this spectacle of my face and until next week. But Ezekiel 18 was on my heart. Again, dear people, it's not what we have. It's not what we've gotten from others. It's what we do with what we have. Now, listen, if, if your being a godly father depends on having had a godly father, then, then half of you are never going to be a godly father. Write it off. You can't be a godly father because you didn't have a godly father. But biblically, if I can say it carefully and kindly, that is nonsense. Because there are men who grow up in wicked homes that have been godly fathers. How do you become a godly father? You learn from your heavenly father, not your earthly father. You have a heavenly father. He is the ultimate example of fatherhood. I was thinking about how God treats his children. Wow, I was thinking about how God treats his family. Go through the scriptures and, and, and study this whole thing. See? It's not your past. It's what you do with your past. And Ezekiel says, look here, you've got a godly man, and he rears his son in a godly way, and his son says, that's not for me. So the son decides he's going to be an ungodly, wicked man. And God says the righteousness of his father means nothing to God. Or supposing the guy had a wicked father, an unrighteous father, and he decides not to be wicked and unrighteous, and he decides to be a godly man. The wickedness of his father means nothing to God. It's what he does in his own personal relationship with God. There isn't a man in this house that cannot learn from God through his word how to be a godly father regardless if you don't know your father and, and I'm not trying to be unsympathetic there, there, the, 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 the emotional tragedies in our culture are unspeakable and I'm not minimizing those things I am simply saying that I am not the product of my parents I'm the product of the choices that I make concerning my own personal relationship with God and nobody else gets the credit and nobody else can be blamed because I stand before God as an individual in my relationship to God and His Word. 
It is so, it's so important, not that you're a perfect father. It's, it's so important, not that you've got your act together and you've got everything. The thing that's important is that your heart is directed toward God. You have a heart for God. You have a heart for the Word of God, the ways of God, the will of God. You have a heart for these things. I promise you, if you've got a heart for God and His Word, God will not fail to honor that. But we do not make choices for our children. That's, that's one thing that becomes very frustrating for a parent. Wicked parents can have godly children. Godly parents can have wicked children. And that's the context in, in Ezekiel chapter 18. I want you to look at Psalm 68, and this is tender. It is precious. It is warm. It is inspiring. It is wonderful. Toward the bottom of the page, Psalm 68, 4. Sing to God, sing praises to his name. Lift up a song for him who rides through the deserts, whose name is Yahweh, and exalt before him. Now notice the next verse. A father of the fatherless. There might be somebody here today, you don't know your father. You might not even know who he is. But there is a God in heaven that will adopt you into his family and you will become his son or his daughter. A father of the fatherless. God is not mindful of the emotional needs of people that go through the traumas that are caused by sin and wickedness in the human race. God is not unmindful of those things. Notice a father of the fatherless, a judge for the widows is God in his holy habitation. God makes a home. Notice that word home. God makes a home for whom? Help me. God makes a home for whom? For the lonely. He leads out the what? Prisoners into what? Prosperity. Only the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Boy, that's a, that's, that's, very insightful because the rebellious, rebellious always end up in a parched land. There's nothing there at the end of that life. It's empty and forlorn. So, I don't know what your past is. I have no idea what your past relationships are. But I would simply say if it's a godly heritage, you need to build on it, take it, embrace it, and then if you can't add to it godliness of your own. If it's other than that, then you need to just make a choice between you and God that you're going to be his child, his son, his daughter. And that's in the next text we have here. Don't look there yet. You're going to be his son or his daughter, and you are going to have a godly life of your own to pass on to everybody that's in your world. What you pass on to the people in your world is your choice. You might get encouragement, you might get discouragement, but you will never get discouragement from God or from His Holy Spirit. You will always get, you will always get encouragement. The work of the Holy Spirit in our lives always lifts us up and encourages us. And Paul, in a strange text, and I don't want to get into the text itself, but there's a statement here that comes out of the Old Testament at the end of this thing. He talks about being yoked together or bound together with unbelievers. 
He said, don't be bound together. Don't be yoked together with unbelievers. What partnership of righteousness and lawlessness, fellowship with, as light with darkness? What harmony is Christ with Belial? What is a believer in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is the temple of God with idols? We are the temple of the living God. God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Now, if you want warmth, and if you want acceptance, and if you want a home emotionally for your life, you find it in God. That's where you're going to find it. I will dwell in them, walk among them, be their God, they shall be my people. Therefore, he says, come out from their midst, be separate from the wicked, don't touch what's unclean, I will welcome you. But notice verse 18, I will be a father to you. I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters to me. Now that's what God wants. And regardless of what earthly relationships I have, regardless of whether it's good or bad, doesn't matter. Nothing can replace God as a father to us. Nothing. How did Jesus teach his disciples to pray? Our Father. Our Father, the one who is in the heavens. We are to address him as one, first of all, who gave us our life. Secondly, in Christ, he begat us in a new birth. We're birthed ones in Jesus Christ, according to John's gospel. And then, beyond that, he has embraced us as his children. You shall be sons and daughters to me, says who? Says the Lord Almighty. I don't know what greater emotional security you can have than to know that God really loves you. One of the greatest, most precious days of my life was the day I was sitting in my office, my study in Yucca Valley, California, down south. I was sitting in my office one day, and I don't know if I was studying for a sermon I don't know what was, I don't remember the context of this thing, but I was sitting behind my desk, and all of a sudden, the light went on. I'd been preaching for years, and I intellectually knew that God was my Father. Intellectually, I knew that He loved me. But all of a sudden, it occurred to me, God really does love you. God really does love you. In spite of everything he knows about you, he loves you. In spite of everything you've ever done, he loves you. In spite of all the shortcomings in your life, he loves you. God really loves me. That will revolutionize your life. Everything else in life becomes secondary when it grips your heart that God is not only a great, supernaturally, uncreated, infinite, powerful God who fills the universe, but my relationship with Him 
is personal. Very personal. And his relationship with me is very personal. I'm going to be a father to you. And you are going to be my sons and my daughters. It doesn't come any better than that. My father loved me, but his love was imperfect. My mother loved me. Both loved me with, with a great love, but their love was imperfect. But I have a father in heaven whose love is infinite, boundless, amazing, wonderful. It's intimate. It's personal. It's personal. You see, this thing of being a Christian is, is not a, a religious relationship with God. It, it's not a matter of, of, of just trying to keep God happy so that somehow he doesn't get mad at me all the time because of all the terrible things I do. That, that's not what it's about. It is a birth relationship into the family of God. Now, I promise you, and I've watched this, I, I, I look at, at mothers and their children. Mothers do not treat their children like they treat the neighbor's children. Fathers, you don't treat the neighbor's children like you treat your children. Why don't you treat your children that way? Because your children have been birthed out of you. They have your life in them. And they are something very unique and special to you. And when we are born again and we are birthed into the family of God, God becomes then our heavenly Father. He's more than our, cre our Creator. He's our Redeemer and He is personally given us life in Jesus Christ. He has begotten us into the family of God. It's downright personal with God. We are sons and daughters of God Almighty. Ooh. Did you get that? Thank God for that. And the ideal father is in heaven. He's not on earth. Again, I've gone through the Old Testament recently. I've read through the, through the Kings and the Chronicles. I've read through the great ones and the not so great ones. I've read through all of them and, and I don't find a one of them that's flawless. Nowhere. But my Heavenly Father is flawless. He's never, he has never failed me. He's never rejected me. And by the way, he never puts me on a guilt trip either. If you're on a guilt trip, that does not come from the Holy Spirit. That comes from an unholy spirit. God, the faithful, ultimate Father. And he's my dad. He's my father. He wants me to call him that. He said, he said, that's what you're supposed to do. You pray to me, you call me your father. He wants us to love him, recognize who he is, and look to him for everything we need. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for saving us. 
Thank us. Thank you for bringing us into the family of God by a supernatural new birth. I just ask you, dear Lord, that you will wonderfully, wonderfully take the messages of today. Thank you for John's testimony. What a blessing to hear that. And God, just stir our hearts and challenge us regardless of what's in our past. If it's good, that doesn't guarantee we're going to do right. If it's bad, that doesn't guarantee we're going to do bad. We, we, have to, we, have to write our own, we have to write our own history. We have to write our own record. If we have a godly heritage, help us to continue to write a godly record of life. If we don't, help us to just change the whole thing and get on your side. And with the help of your Holy Spirit, help us to write a godly heritage for generations to come in our own personal lives. Regardless of from where we come or where we have been, I pray that we shall choose to honor and glorify our Lord Jesus Christ. Will your God again encourage every father here? God, it's intimidating, just like being a mother. It's intimidating. It, it, it's, it's, beyond us to, it's beyond us to have the resources to do what we really need to do as a father. But you are our father. You are our heavenly father. May we look to you, may we rely upon you, and may we take the cues of life from you and from your word. Encourage us, strengthen us, and bless us, we pray in Jesus' name.